Welcome to Rich Conversations. Olive Moya is a visual artist and muralist. Her eye-popping work can be seen all over Denver, Colorado. It's awesome. I love it, which is why I asked her on. She uses this combination of bright colors and these like intuitive noodle designs. It's very striking. And uh, in this episode, we talk about the city of Denver, what art school is like, the process of creating murals, the benefits of public art. This is something I really enjoy discussing with Olive. I think there, there's just like so many benefits, unseen benefits almost too, with public art. We also discussed the importance of pushing boundaries and self-growth as an artist. We share our love of the Beatles, curiosity, and so much more. This was such a fun episode to record. You can follow Olive on Instagram at Olive Moya. She also has a podcast where she talks about art at Millbrow Podcast on Instagram. Now, let's begin. Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is going to be a really fun episode. We are joined by Olive Moya, all the way from Denver, and I'm so excited to have you here on this podcast. We talk to people all over the world from all different disciplines, and you're a visual artist who lives in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Why don't you give a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, my name is Olive Moya. I'm a mainly a painter and a muralist, and I live in Denver. I lived in Denver for eight years. I'm originally from Southern California. Um, I like kind of outside of San Diego, uh, but I went to art school in Los Angeles and was there for quite a while. Um, But yeah, now I've been working and living in Denver. Yeah, Olive has made these really awesome murals around Denver. They're colorful, they're abstract. I, it's like the type of art that I enjoy. Uh, oh, people well, thank who you. <laughs> uh, know this know this podcast know I like bright colors and abstracts and, and all types of different things like that. Well, then I got you. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, why don't you uh, briefly describe Denver? What what is the general vibe of Denver? Denver is well. Coming from LA, I have a specific view of it it kind of feels more midwest to me okay um but like like in the buildings and stuff I remember first moving here and being like oh wow there's all this brick and like (laughs) which I'm sure you used to in Chicago um and people are like generally extremely nice I, I would say um and but then there is this you know people are very um fitness oriented and like love to be outdoors they're very outdoorsy and um I don't they're just very chill I would say like they're kind of like that west coast chillness but uh but without the um I don't know I don't want to be offensive to my hometown (laughs) but like (laughs) without I think we all know what you're talking about (laughs) without the ego yeah (laughs) Yeah. So I enjoy uh, that aspect of Denver. It was very refreshing. It was confusing at first, but then refreshing after I figured it out. <laughs> yeah. What do you think people in Denver value most and what their interests are? 
I'd say being outdoors. That's one thing that, like, I think some people would, you know, they're like using their work to just be able to, on their time off, be outdoors, be hiking, camping, kayaking, rock climbing. I mean, whatever they do and they do with their dogs always. (laughs) Like, it's just a very outdoor oriented health oriented place so which is really cool the mountains are nearby and the mountains are incredible and there's tons of hiking and all that to be had so yeah I think that's kind of people's orientation yeah that makes a lot of sense do you do any of that yeah I hike and camp I mean I'm not like an intense I don't like hike 14ers which is a Colorado term I'm sure yeah (laughs) but it's like a thing I know now to hike to 14,000 feet. Um, but yeah, I don't do that, but I do enjoy being outside. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Huh. Now when I go, so I have a really close friend that lives in Denver. So I've visited a few times now. Um, and everything you describe is pretty accurate. Yeah. Do you confirm? (laughs) I confirm. I confirm. (laughs) Okay. It's something like I would add wearing like hiking sandals and like, you know, they're just ready to go on a hike at all times. <laughs> yeah. You it's, know? Al- it's almost like a, like a personality, <laughs> personality it is. in a way. It is. Whereas like in LA, that would never be, you're ready, you're full like face of makeup and ready at all times, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's like a whole like a different, different thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I noticed too, is they love breweries out there. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the biggest things coming from California. Like beer is not, I mean, at least not in my world. I was like, I don't know. Corona is a beer. That was all I knew about yeah. And here. They were like, no, we're serious <laughs> about beer. And I was like, all right, I grew up in wine country. So I'm just like, whatever about that. Yeah. But as the years have gone on, I'm not just joking. And all my friends back home will make fun of me. I like beer now. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, of course you do. I'm like, hey, IPAs, guys, <laughs> really <laughs> cool craft breweries. <laughs> They're like, all right. <laughs> but yeah, so Denver has opened my eyes to the world of beer. And yeah. it smells like if you go downtown, it just smells like beer a lot, like like weed and beer, not to be you know stereotypical, but it that's yeah. what it smells like, hops all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like food trucks. There's a good food truck scene there too, right? Yeah, there's a, a good food scene in general, I would say. Yeah. I love food, so I, I do that. remember there's this one time I went to uh, a brewery kind of downtown. I, I wish I remember the name, but a lot of it too, like these breweries, it's like, like new industrial so it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of like wood and openness and beams and the garage doors always open yeah 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 (laughs) and so we're in this big space and we're with a a group of like maybe 10 to 12 people and i just start like bursting out laughing and my friend my friend nudges me he's like he's like what what's so funny i go i am literally the only man in this brewery not wearing a flannel shirt (laughs) Or having a beard. Did everyone yeah. have a beard? Like a lot of beards. A lot of beards. A lot of beards in Denver. <laughs> I remember I used to like before I was making abstract work, I illustrated a lot and I drew in my sketchbook. And that was like one of the first things I drew was just like lettering that said, Denver, there's a lot of bearded men here. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. It's just a thing. Flannels and beards. Yeah, it definitely fits into that. 
Yeah. Uh, well, switching, switching gears a little bit. Uh, I want to, I want to explore your art and pick your brain about all of this. Like what, what would you say the role is and the impact is of like a visual artist and painter and muralist, like you said, in society? I think, um, I think we were talking about being human and like connecting as humans. And I think what makes humans special or like separates us from animals is that we have a creative ability and um you know we have this ability to think on another level and express ourselves and you know i think there's always this joke like if there was an apocalypse or something that art would be the last thing you would need which is i mean let's be fair that's probably true at first (laughs) but i think art is what makes us human like it makes us feel and it makes us uh, think and there it just makes it gives like a glimpse into why like humans think about why are we alive in a way that animals don't they just exist and we're like well why are we existing and I think art is like a glimpse into why we exist um, and it gives us reason to live and Um, anything created kind of does you know reading writing that really moves us or seeing something painted that really moves us or anything like that Um, so I think that being able to see it um, in any sort of form and be affected by it is important just like spiritually emotionally uh, in that realm yeah, in a way I that sometimes that. I think p- people can't describe. Like, you know it's important, but you don't know why. Like, like during the pandemic, I assumed, like, art was going to be, like, no one cared about it. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be able to sell paintings. Like, people are losing their jobs. And it was actually the opposite. I felt like a lot of people that I knew that were artists, myself included, had kind of a boom in business because people are at home and needing to feel connected to other people and what better way to like get something handmade that someone created um and because they like felt it in their soul yeah and you get to have this physical representation of that you get to look at every day and like have your own experience with and your own feelings of ownership over and so I feel, but I don't know that people knew how to explain that. So, but I think that that's where the importance lies. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Well said. Yeah, we were talking earlier uh, before the recording about just the human experience and how, you know, people all over the world, we're all human, so we can all find connection in a way. And art is something too. I'm sure you would agree that like, it like transcends language. Like yeah. you don't need to understand something. You just like feel it in a way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think sometimes, I mean, obviously there's like cultural indicators um, that help you understand art better. Like that may be confusing if you took it from one culture to the next, but then there's also through lines that like mm-hmm. transcends culture and 
language and all those things. So yeah, it's definitely a human experience. So how did you get into art and creativity and storytelling? Um, well, I always, it's kind of like the normal artist story. I just was always making things since I was really young. Um, and my mom, I'm actually adopted. So I think my mom was like, had no preconceived notions about what I was going to be good at or whatever so anything that I gravitated towards she was like threw it at me like sure okay yeah. if you're into that do that and um so I had a lot of random things not random I was interested but she would just throw things at me like oh you like yeah. music oh you like this um so as soon as I was drawing at like two three years old she was like okay and she'd buy me all these art supplies and um I took art lessons and then in high school she I was going to go to school to become, I don't know, whatever, a teacher or just something regular. Uh -huh. And she's like, you know that there's art school, right? No. I was like, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, you can become an artist, which is like the opposite of most parents. Most parents would be like, please don't become an artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please, please don't. I think she maybe regretted it a few times, like during my uh -huh. <laughs> learning, uh, being in college and stuff, but uh yeah she and so then they took me to some art schools and I was like oh my god this is what I have to do uh I felt like I belonged immediately I walked in and I was like these are my people so yeah yeah I just was always creating and then um art school just solidified that for me and I haven't wanted to do anything since yeah describe describe art school I met someone yesterday <laughs> I went to the Art Institute of Chicago yesterday. Okay. And then like I was hanging out. I go to the so I'm a member at the Art Institute. And then I typically visit and then go to the Athletic Association after. It's like really cool space. This uh gothic Venetian architecture. And I'm just chilling there and I strike up a conversation with someone. And she went to like art school. Mm -hmm. But like what it what exactly like Someone who hasn't gone to art, <laughs> art school, like what exactly happens in art did school? Did you go to school? What kind of school did you go to? Uh, I would say like a more liberal arts, I would say. Okay. Yeah, art school is... Um, <laughs> it's basically you take all the weird artsy kids and just stick them in a school together. And it's exactly what you would imagine. Like everyone is so different and specific and like there I remember specifically there's this one girl who everything was rainbow her hair was all colors and then mm -hmm. like every every single day she dressed like in the rainbow and so you would just see this like rainbow walking around all the <laughs> time and then there was people who were just like product designers who you could tell they were product designers and then yeah. there was people who are fashion, like all the fashion people always wore high heels every single day and like looked fabulous. And then there was like, it's just like all these, all the kids that like didn't fit in at their high school come together and all kind of fit in in this weird way at art school. But my favorite thing, that's just like a picture of what it was like. But my favorite thing was everything was open to try like no one ever said anything was weird no one ever 
really judged anything. It was kind of just like, I mean, we had critiques obviously, which were painful, yeah. but, um, but it was just like on the weekends, you'd be like, I just want to go do this thing. Would you like paint your face and, and grab a few of these things and just come with me at like, I don't know, midnight and we'll, I'll bring some lights and we'll take some foot. Like, it was just like weird. People just yeah. have weird ideas all the time. And everyone was just like, yeah, let's do it. And so it just was such a creative space because everyone was just, their minds were just really open to seeing things and trying things and doing whatever. And there's just constant random things going on. <laughs> like someone's yeah. art project was just like digging up the grass in the middle of the like foyer or whatever. And like putting something there, like a big hole. And then someone else would hang hammocks like from the parking garage that you could never get into. And like, there's just, you know, just things <laughs> happening all the time. <laughs> oh man, that sounds magical. It sounds it like a magical. <laughs> yeah. Like, like so, something I noticed about uh, society or like, as people grow older, they lose that sense of, of wonder and imagination they had as children and yeah. yet like most of the problems we have in society require creativity and imagination to solve them yeah and it's interesting like at what that's something I'm, I'm curious about is like at what point does that like inner child leave someone even though it's like always there and like what unlocks it i'm curious about that you know well, it's like we break it out of them on purpose. Have you ever seen Beautiful Losers, the documentary? No. That's definitely something that changed my thinking. Um, but there's a artist, Ed Templeton. He's being interviewed and he's talking about when you're in school and there's like a certain age, like second or third grade, where you get the message that you're either good at drawing or bad at drawing based on the fact that you can make something look like it looks like in real life, um, mm. which is a silly measure. I mean, don't even get me started on that. Like we have cameras, we don't need to draw to make it look like yeah. real life. That's not the yeah. point of drawing, but that's what like mainstream everybody decides you're good at drawing because you can make it look like real life. Um, yeah. But but yeah, and he was saying like, at that age, suddenly we get that. And the people who are told that they're not good at drawing or get the message by seeing who is good at drawing, they stop mm -hmm. making things. And it's like the saddest, the saddest thing in the whole world because, well, first of all, that's, like I said, not really the point of creating things. And it's not like creativity goes and there's so many ways you could explore it. You don't have to know how to draw, but that's kind of where we kill it. You're not good at art. And, and all the time when I'm painting murals, I get people, the number one comment, you could ask any muralist this, the number one comment I get is, wow, I can't even draw a stick figure. And you're just like, so? Mm. Like, that doesn't, that's not a, a gauge for if you should be able to create or not. And I kind of feel yeah. like that's why like Pinterest exists on the level that it does is because I think everyone is creative and they mm -hmm. need to have a creative outlet, but they don't know how to, because it wasn't cultivated in yeah. them. And so 
they refer to something like Pinterest where they can do something creative, but they're like given a step-by-step and they don't feel like, like intimidated by it, you know? Yeah. Um, which just makes me sad because I'm sure all those people could have been created creative if someone just said, like, do it. <laughs> Everyone yeah. can do it. <laughs> but. Huh. So then, how? okay. How did you get into murals? And like, what what do you love about creating murals? And if you can break down that process for me. I would love Mm -hmm. to know that. Okay. Well, I wanted to create murals in college. Murals weren't like trendy like they are now when I was in school, but there were definitely some muralists. I don't even think they exist. This guy named Blue, B-L-U. I like can't even find his work anymore. But there was like a few muralists or like public beautiful losers was kind of part of that. They made a lot of bigger public works, um, the people in that collective. But uh, I just was fascinated by it and I always wanted to do it. And I liked the idea that it didn't exist in the white cube, like in art, the white cube is like the the gallery setting. It's plain white yeah. walls, you can't touch anything. Um, And that's a space where people are like non-art people are mostly really intimidated to walk in somewhere like that because they don't know what they're talking about or whatever. Museums and galleries can kind of feel like not very inclusive to people who don't know how to speak about art. And so I was always interested because I started in fine art photography and then I switched to illustration. So I kind of switched from something that exists in that white cube to something that's more for everybody. But I was still in between, like I wasn't necessarily super interested in someone telling me a message that I have to then relay. I wanted to relay my own message, but to everybody. So my senior project, I, uh, my thesis, I like made these big, well, they seemed big to me at the time, but it was like 15 by eight foot canvas. And I painted on them and I rolled them up and then I would just take them different places around LA and like hang them up. And then I would stand and just ask people what they thought about them. They were like walking around. Cause I was just interested in how someone who isn't in that world would interact with the thing or like be, if they were interested or not or what. So that was kind of my project. And I made a book about, about it. Cause I recorded all the conversations and all the different places. And then I took photos everywhere. I hung them up. Um, so that was kind of my first, um, part of that. And then I didn't really paint any murals until I got to Denver and that just started. Um, I actually, I just painted one in my house because I was like, I'm going to, and then, um, this coffee shop, art such an art thing then the then the coffee shop then the, co- the coffee shop is the first in line to go hey i yeah. I'll, I'll help yeah well and i, I like strategically art. spent a lot of time at this coffee shop i'm also just like a coffee shop person yeah i would like spend hours and hours drawing and reading and just being at a coffee shop so this specific one who had remembered me because i was always there drawing 
um, followed me on Instagram and was like, hey, would you want to paint something like that on our wall? And I was like, absolutely, yes. So I painted um, this coffee shop called Huckleberry Roasters and I lettered, I'm very into lettering too and I always have been. So I lettered um, Don't Stop, Get It, Get It on the wall with like my colorful, I call them noodles, which is a very technical term <laughs> <laughs> uh, for like my light colorful line work. And uh, yeah, so then, I, then after that, it just like, I don't know, it just started and people started asking me and then it's, been three years of just constantly making murals which is my favorite thing to do so <laughs> um yeah and then the process um it kind of depends on who i'm painting it for but usually it's like they've seen something that i did they like it they want it similar or mm. you know have another like aspect to it Maybe they have some colors that they're really interested in. Um, and then I create like a few designs. Maybe it needs a change or two. Mm -hmm. um, the best clients, it's so funny, the clients that never, <laughs> that think that art isn't worth anything and don't want to pay for it, they want tons of changes and they want it exactly <laughs> how they want it. That's and the, then the same people thing who that, are yeah. ready to throw money at I it. I hear, yeah see the first thing and they're like it's great we love it <laughs> i hear so, that with artists too talking yeah. to other artists yeah uh-huh it's <laughs> funny so, so i've started to be like if you're not interested in paying for it and you're trying to talk me down a lot i can feel that it's going to be the worst project yeah so and i'm not going to like the end result so i've gotten smarter that way but yeah and then um i mean i don't know how many specifics you want but, but yeah i pick out colors i I paint I have my whole setup I I roll up I paint it <laughs> I sketch it like some people um yeah what is the technical process when you like okay so you got a wall yeah what are the steps you take to create a mural from like start to finish I I just sketch freehand um unless I'm doing lettering then yeah. I will um draw my lettering like on procreate and then um tile print it is actually not the best way i should have gotten a projector a long time ago but i just haven't so i just keep rolling with it but i tile print it on paper um i have a printer that does like bigger sheets of paper so i don't have to use a thousand eight and a half by elevens but okay and then i use transfer paper which is like paper that has like chalk on one side kind of so you put that between the paper and the wall and then just trace my own design and then I pull it off and there's basically chalk on the wall and then I paint oh. my design from there um but all the abstract stuff I just freehand because it just works better that way and I'm just more comfortable with that and you kind of gotta like move with the space especially in my work like okay it kind of you know, it has to feel right in the space and doing it in the computer or just drawing it on paper is always different than what it feels like in real life. Yeah. And then, no. yeah, I just paint uh, the background usually first um, or like the colors that suck that I love to use, like yellow <laughs> or yellow green takes like 500 coats. So I always do that first because uh, it's going to take a million coats. And then, um, 
yeah, lettering is last if it has lettering or any sort of black. And then if I wheat paste, which is like the photography aspect, that's a whole different process. What, what was that last one? The wheat, wheat paste? Wheat paste, which is like, if you see the murals that have like black and white photography included in them. Um, okay. That's called wheat pasting. And it's like wallpaper paste mixed with acrylic. And you have to like, it's basically glue. So you like put glue on the wall, then you put paper, like a printed imagery on it and then you like smooth it out and then paste on top of it. And then I usually paint on top of that with my colors. Wow. So it's kind of like collage and abstract at the same time. Yeah, I'm going through your Instagram for, for oh, people yeah. that are, can't really see it too well on here. Oh, they're, they're a little Yeah, better. I see which one that yeah. is. That's, the, that's for like a kid's, uh, like this place that does like art and music lessons for kids that fa their families can't afford it. Okay. Yeah, that's crew. <laughs> that was a fun one. So do you, uh, oh, this is a cool one. Yeah, this one, uh, the finished one is how, how are you really? Yeah. That was for a mental health organization. Um, so is there a yeah. common um, theme in the places that, that hire you to make murals? Uh, you mentioned like oh. a community center, mental health, uh, children. Yeah, I definitely maybe gravitate towards or people gravitate towards my work that are like I've done schools I painted a, a huge mural in the school with third graders, which was really interesting <laughs> and fun. Um, and yeah, stuff for children, I feel like happens a lot or mental health. I've done a few like mental health related murals um, or things like with the photography, it's like brings in historical or aspects um oh, so okay. i feel like yeah. that like i did one in veil that had some photographs from like 1960 or something and so i feel like oh, nice. history and um like community and belonging kind of comes into that i did a, mm. i did one that included um like in colorado springs they're kind of famous for the trolley system that would go okay. up to um the mountains and stuff. So I did some that ha included all these old old photos of the trolleys. So yeah, I feel like maybe it's my colors are just happy, appeals to children, appeals to like yeah people who are trying to send positive messages. Um, Which is probably why it attracted me too. You're like I like <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what I'm going like. That's great. I'm happy about yeah. that. <laughs> Why What's I the significance it? of the, you said noodles, like the, yeah. the noodles in them? Uh-huh. I feel like the noodles have kind of come to represent um, pathways and, and there's sort of um, like 
most of it came out of, I feel like my illustration background, it's like clean lines and like really graphic looking and like lettering. I did all sorts of lettering, but it's almost like that, like zoomed in really far. So I feel like the line work came okay. from me lettering things, but if you just were looking at it really close, um, but then it evolved to become, like I said, these pathways and I've done a lot of things with like glitching in my work. I don't know if probably the ones you were looking at, you couldn't, oh, the cottage arts one, it was like glitched where it's like shifted a little bit. Um, that's definitely for me, like a way of storytelling. Like it almost kind of represents um like a storyline like boxes in a cartoon you know you go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing it's like the passage of time and how yeah. things are changing um like you know something happens and then it shifts everything uh so i feel like there's just a lot of movement and stuff that's indicating um the passage of time or or sort of a timeline or a story um but it's all abstracted and and obviously, like any abstract work, you can get a feeling like if the line work is really busy and loopy and whatever, it could be more stressful feeling or more energetic. But if it's like meandering, that's a whole different feeling. Um, so, yeah, which is mostly that what answer your question <laughs> seems like meandering, right? Mm -hmm. But there's some yeah. that are like way more chaotic feeling. Um, so just sort of depends. I think with murals, it ends up being more meandering because people get stressed out by the more chaotic feel. Um, so some of my other like personal paintings that I just make probably were more busy. Um, but yeah. So what do you think the benefits are of murals for the general public? I think it goes back to what we were talking about um, that most people don't feel comfortable in, in art space, in the clean art spaces. And so this is murals or public work is a way to bring art to people in a space that they already feel comfortable in mm. um, and give them some ownership. Like I, I think not everybody gets to own a painting necessarily or like an original work um and some people don't even think about buying artwork but say you walk the same path to work or home or to the grocery store or whatever every day you drive the same path you're gonna see that piece every single day and in some way it's yours because you have memories associated to it like in the same way that hey jude is my song for a specific reason, but Hey yeah. Dude is everyone's song for their own reason. And it was Paul and John and George and Ringo's song for all four of their own reasons, but it like becomes something else as time goes on. So I like the idea that my work can be someone's that they can have it in their own way um, because they have their own memories attached to it. And uh, yeah, so I feel like it's important to have work that everybody has access to and can feel connected with. And because my work is abstract, I feel like more people connect with it because 
there isn't markers in there that necessarily leave people out. Yeah, that's, it feels totally spot on of what you said. I'm looking right now for, so every time, uh, so I bartend on the weekends and uh-huh. every okay. time I, I go to work, there's a mural. I cut through the alleyway and there's this mural and oftentimes there'll be people there taking photos with it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you're uh, like, I know that old thing. That's mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, let's see, I have, this isn't a great photo necessarily because it's not directly on it, but um, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, it's so hard to see. I get, is it abstract though? Yes, it's. Oh, there, I see it. I see, yeah. I see. Nice. Yeah, that's colorful for sure. Yeah, it just brightens the neighborhood because that that neighborhood used to be like really dark and like sketchy. Yeah. And yeah. then you put this massive art piece in it and all of a sudden now, now people are like drawn to it. I know. And it's not it's not sketchy anymore. It's like uh, brings out hope and, and yeah. you know, just walking through to work. It's like it can put me in a good mood. You know, mm-hmm. or, or every time I'm going to work, I'm taking a photo of this, this darn alleyway. I know. <laughs> it's like this mindset. That's something that never ceases to amaze me. Like it's my own work and I know how it's going to look. But when you see the wall before yeah. and then you see it after, I'm never done being excited about how different it looks. Yeah. This is a I photo of it at night. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I did an alleyway that was like pretty, like it smelled like piss the whole time we were there. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, it was, it was whatever. It was an alleyway. Um, but that's one of my favorite pieces. Like I love walking down there now. And um, yeah, it totally transforms a space and makes you feel different. And it's, it's like. Just some paint, just some paint. That's it. It's crazy. Yeah. And like what, like wrapping your head around it, it's like, what is the value of that where people are just going about their lives and then something just paint, like you said, can elevate someone's, someone's mood, someone's mindset. And it's a very like active where that happens almost instantly. And then the next interaction they have with someone that transfers to it and like yeah it's hard to trace the value and the importance and like the the effectiveness of it in a way yeah which is why like that's another cool thing about public art is you get to just let if (laughs) if you can't some artists it probably would be harder for but it you just let go of your thing that your baby you know you have yeah. to let go and say someone could tag it it could be gone yeah they might paint over it um, someone might someone vandalize might, it someone yeah someone might yeah. hate it someone might just hate it like yeah and that's their own right to hate it and some people might hold on to it and love it and some people will take pictures of it and some people will think it's like i've had some people be like is it snakes 
And I'm like, <laughs> sure. Like, why not? I don't know. And that might bother some artists, but to me, I'm just like, if that's your what you want to put on it, whatever. Like, that's fine if you need to see something in it. And so you kind of have to let go and say, um, it's out in the world now and it's gonna have this effect on people. And I won't always know what that effect is, but yeah, but every once in a while you get people that you meet them in some way and they're like, oh my God. I walk by your mural every single day and I love it. Like it always makes me happy or whatever. And you get that little bit of hearing about what happened for other people and how it affected other people. And it's, it's really gratifying (laughs) to be able to hear that. Oh man. I bet. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, experience from creating murals? I have so many fun, like, I just have had the best time, I have to say. Um, Well, probably the most exciting thing last year was getting to create a piece with my friend, Emily Hope Dopkin for the Denver Art Museum. That was like kind of just an unreal experience. yeah, it was just different than anything I'd done. And it was really exciting to be a part of. They were like renovated this incredible yes. building. And yeah, that's not even the real, that's just the mock-up. I can't believe I don't, oh, have, really? an actual, I don't have an actual picture of it up. <laughs> that's my <laughs> bad. My, I'm bad at social media. But um, yeah, that was the best experience because it just, it got to touch so many people and like the photos used on the wheat paste were other people's photos that we had them send in. And so it was very about community. And, you know, we had people come back and be like, oh my God, that's my photo. And so you're like infusing this this piece with all of people's memories, even more so than what we were just saying. Like really, they took a photo of their, the sky in their backyard or something that means something to them. And now it's on this wall for the next couple of years. yeah, it was just a really cool, cool experience. Wow. I enjoyed it. Is that still there then? Yeah. Yep. It's up um, until it was supposed to be up for two years and that was starting in October. So yeah, we've got like a wow. year and a half to go. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks. Do you notice any like trends or like trends in society or business? since working as a visual artist? Um, that's a hard question. Trends in society or business? Um, something that is kind of weird for me is that like murals are trendy. <laughs> um, I think most people genuinely enjoy them and that's the reason that they want them. But I also think like I've done a lot of work for, and I'm not bagging on it. Like I'm really grateful for all the work that I got to do and it's always fun for me. So I'm never upset, but there's just a lot of like apartment complexes that are like, let's put your mirror here and like, let's do a, you know, inspirational saying. And I've definitely veered like away from that because it feels not, um genuine I guess um so I don't know there's definitely always that side of it that's like hey everybody else has 
murals with inspirational sayings that people like to take photos in front of. So let's do that too. Yeah. You're our gal, you know? <laughs> and that kind of feels weird to me because I definitely didn't get into making murals for that for that aspect of it but so then um, how do you how do you like balance that of like it's a good thing that murals are trendy and popular because it it adds value but how much of it is just doing it because everybody else is doing it it's like what does it water it down the effects or yeah <laughs> yeah I think in some ways yes but I also don't want to like there's enough space in the world for everybody you know I'm not trying yeah. to I want everybody to be able to make their work and if and I want everybody to make money like it's hard to be yeah. an artist and murals make money and that's I mean, I'm able to full-time be an artist because of murals and mm -hmm. um, I never, honestly, I never thought that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I kind of gave up on that a while ago, but uh, so I don't know, it's hard. And it's hard for me, like I'm actually at this point in my career right now where I'm getting ready to take a, a long break from painting murals and not that I always, not that I don't ever want to do them again. I do, but I think yeah. I just want to ha I haven't had time or space. I've been painting them nonstop, which is a lot of, they're just a lot of physical work. And yeah. um, I haven't had space to like grow and come up with new ideas because people are saying, Hey, I like this. Could mm. you do it similar to that? And so yeah. I keep like getting recycled ideas because they're like looking at a mural I did two years ago and I'm personally bored with it, but, but then it's hard. I'm like, well, I have to pay my bills. And so I'm constantly just trying to juggle what I want and what they want and paying bills and living and all that. So I am taking a break soon and I think it will help give me more clarity on like what I need to do. And, um, just make things in my studio and grow kind of and yeah. and, take, and then hopefully in the future my goal would be to <clears throat> take on murals um just more sparingly like do the yeah. projects that really mean something to me like the mental health ones I yeah. those really mean something to me or stuff with kids um and then kind of try if I can financially say no to some other things and just move on because I think once I'm like once I started doing the wheat pasting and during COVID that was just like I had a big chunk of time to do that yeah um as soon as people saw it then they were like we want that too you know yeah so it's like I need the time to come up with new things um and then if and then hopefully people will also like those things but there just hasn't been time for that so yeah so it's that's like then the conundrum as like a successful artist is like what makes an artist great or like a, a true artist is like always growing, always exploring curiosity, always getting better and better and better. But then once you're successful, then like your time is more limited in that growth and people want you to just play the hits and like, yeah, it's, it's a like good Pollock. place and an uh, interesting place <laughs> to be in. 
Yeah. It's like Jackson Pollock got stuck doing his, his drip paintings or whatever because yeah. he moved on and then people were like, no, 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 we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Want, it's like we want your drip paintings. And he's like, this is just one tiny snippet of my life. Like yeah. someone, not to talk about the Beatles again, but like, I'm going to. Um, like the Beatles, I feel like they did a really good job of being like, oh, can I curse on this podcast? Sure, yeah. <laughs> screw, <laughs> screw what you guys want like we're doing something new based on our experiences every time like you get something like sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club and i'm sure people at the time were like like, excuse me like (laughs) it doesn't flow with what they what they wanted from them but they were like screw you we went to india and we had all these experiences i i'm huge beatles fan beatles are (laughs) my favorite and like you said too i love how they just like kept they just kept growing and kept pushing boundaries. Um, this is probably my favorite Beatles book. It's called Revolution and then in the Head. People loved them. Yeah. That's so, I have another one I read recently, but I have not read that one. Yeah, this one's about the correlation between the Beatles records and the 1960s. And oh, how okay. like, I love they're that. intertwined with each other. Yeah, it's super yeah. interesting. Like they were influenced by that time period but then they influenced that yeah yeah it's like this interweaving because they were so uh, big it's like they couldn't not influence that time period but they were also a product of it that's so cool i yeah and it's also too like they are the beatles so like no the record label knows how much they're selling Mm -hmm. yeah you're not gonna like not put out a Beatles record because you're going to make a yeah, lot of they money. Had, they had this special privilege of yeah. being able to push the boundaries and then still get accepted for it. You know, yeah. I think a lot of bands and musicians that doesn't happen, they move on and then people are like, that's not what we used to. We want the old way. Yeah. There's so anti-creativity like for yeah. artists everybody like any type of artist writer musician like that is so sad yeah (laughs) um but yeah they're the ones that i feel like they did they did exactly that and they were always rewarded for it and you look at every album and it's like so different and growing and pushing boundaries of the time and that's always like my my pedestal of like, well, the Beatles did it. Like, just keep pushing. Yeah. And if they don't, if they, I guess there's always a chance that they don't accept you. And then, but like, we don't, you can't fear, like the more fear is what I keep telling myself. Cause I do have tons of fear, <laughs> but like fear just like limits creativity. It kills it. So yeah. you can't, you just gotta go and hope that people will see what was important to you and why it mattered. And yeah yeah what's your favorite beatles record um i would have to say sergeant pepper i okay i like the weird like (laughs) um long trippy songs with the like yeah i that i think that album is probably my favorite trying to think or the white album but yeah those are mine yeah, those too. Are good. W- what's yours it feels like it shifts all the time but i would say rubber soul probably oh yeah i always forget yeah. about rubber soul 
White album. Yeah, Rubber Soul is also uh, like has trippy moments that I like. Yeah, that was like when I uh, listen to that. To me, it feels like that that album is like the moment that the '60s kick off of like what we know the '60s to be. Yeah. That album's just like you you listen to it and you're like the '60s are here. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And. Uh, <laughs> I would say I didn't like, listen. Like, isn't I Am the Walrus? Is that on that album? No, that one's... Uh, no, no. That one is after Sgt. Peppers. The Sgt. Like, I, I didn't get into Sgt. Peppers as much until COVID. Then I, like, really listened to okay. Sgt. Peppers. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is, like, one of my favorites. But they were... That's the most part is each has a time period in your life that yeah. it's, like, attached to. It's like they were riding so high that like off of Sgt. Peppers because they like stopped touring. And back then a musician, like that's how you made your money. Like it wasn't yeah. records. Right. And then it was like the first kind of like full length album where there's kind of a theme throughout in a way or mm -hmm. concept album. And then uh, it came out and they all knew they're like, yeah, we're the best. <laughs> so then They had the, the magical mystery tour. They just did like whatever they wanted. So those, all these That's weird songs. It's super yeah. weird. Yeah. I love then, how uh, super weird it is. Yeah. Also an ex, go to I'm an ex theater and... kid. Okay. So like being a theater kid, maybe it makes more sense why I like Sergeant Pepper. Like it just is super theatery feeling to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are you going to do? You're going to take a step back. What, yeah. Uh, what kinds of things are you going to do uh, to kind of explore and push your own artistic boundaries? Um, well, it's hard for me to do because I'm not a person that doesn't do things, but I need to relax. <laughs> like, yeah, not necessarily just sit around, but just like I need I find a lot of inspiration from giving myself time to think. And I have not had any just time to think yeah. uh, or read or go to a museum because I just want to take a day and do that. And so I feel like, or even going outside, like hiking, camping, all of that gives me getting away from the internet, obviously, really gives me the space to um, think think deeper about the things that I care about and like how to communicate them and just get ideas. So that's, yeah. I kind of want to focus on not focusing on anything. Yeah. Uh, and I think it will come like I read <clears throat> um, Big, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Okay. I've never read her other books. Like I know she was famous for Eat, Pray, Love and whatever, but I heard her on a podcast and I just kind of, she's great on, I've heard a lot of interviews of hers and she just kind of like feels like a good person that you would, you would find inspiration from. And I read this book and there are moments of it that are like self-helpy, which really turns me off. But most of it is like kind of what you're doing, follow your curiosity. It doesn't have to relate to your work, yeah. but it will always come back to it. And she just talks about, yeah. Like one time she just got really into flowers and she just randomly was like super reading, reading about like different families of flowers and different types. And she was gardening and doing all this stuff. And it felt off topic. Like 
man, you really got to get back to work. And, but she kept just pushing and being like, yeah, just follow your curiosity. And then it ended up leading somewhere for her work. And she ended up yeah. writing something about whatever, but and it was related, but it's kind of like what we were saying. Like, if you're interested in learning something about science or just following whatever, go do that thing because it will always like your work is in you and will always inform your work and like be, mm. um, be important in some way. And sometimes getting, yeah, out of the, the box of this is what an artist does. This is how an artist thinks. And especially getting away from the internet because I feel like the internet is screwing things up where like everything is recycled. I'm looking yeah. so much at art. Like I mainly follow artists. So I'm looking so much at art that sometimes I wonder if my mm. ideas are mine or if I'm just like, it's in my subconscious, the other wow, thing that I yeah. saw that I liked. And that really bothers me. And then it bothers me that like, we can see so much. Whereas before, maybe there was someone making something that's similar to mine mm -hmm. on the other side of the world or just on another state. Um, but I wouldn't know about it. But now I see all of that and it kind of feels defeating to be like, yeah, yeah, tons of people make things with lines and shapes and color. Why am I even <laughs> making anything, you know? Yeah. And that just all kind of brings everything down. So just kind of getting away from that and taking some time and yeah, yeah, that's great and necessary. That's yeah, what, yeah. it's not what rewarded I'll... in society or financially, but I think it's something that most artists will tell you you have to do. Like, just kind yeah. of you need as an artist, you just need a lot of time to fuck around and do nothing. Yeah, because it leads to things. <laughs> and it's like a long term mindset. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. Yeah, I could just keep painting murals for as long as people want me to. That's another thing I fear that it's just going to go away and like no one will want them anymore. Um, money wise, that scares me. But, but I don't know. I think I just it needs to be. I I can't do that. Like I have to work from what's yeah. important to me. Yeah. So. Wow, that's awesome. Are there like? Um three things or people or, or music that has influenced your outlook on life? Um, I feel like that documentary I told you about, I haven't even watched it in like 10 years, but I feel like that documentary definitely okay. changed my, how I thought about making art. Beautiful, beautiful losers. losers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this also feels very cliche, but I've always loved Keith Haring. And I think <clears throat> once I read about who, why he made art, it always, it clicked with me immediately. It was the same idea of like artists for everybody, art should be accessible for everyone. And he was very just, uh, just did what he wanted to, you know, there's something I mean, I guess that and Beautiful Lose is just very like white male centered, but like there's who, something who is about Keith Herring, by the way, you know, if you look, if you Google it, you will know um, he's an ex he was an extremely famous muralist in the eight, late 80s, early 90s. 
well, he died in the early nineties of AIDS, but um, he, like, if you see his work, I'm sure like in the eighties and the nineties, it was on every oh. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah. every, so it's a weird example of, so I actually, I have an art podcast. And so I just did an episode on him. So I did a really deep dive into like reading all of his yeah. diaries and like all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of that same in between where like he wanted to exist in the fine art world and like be creative, but he also, his work appealed to people and he wanted to appeal to people and he worked with kids and he worked with, you know, all sorts of like, whatever, we won't get into Keith Haring, but <laughs> I could talk forever on him. But yeah, he kind of just inspired me to be like, yeah. do both of those things inspired me to be like, do what you want to do. Yeah. Like, I think as, especially as a woman, you kind of get, you just always have this like people pleasing side of you. You're trying to like do the right thing and like be, um, I definitely don't feel like I'm one to just go paint a wall without permission. Like I'm very follow the rules and do what people mm-hmm. want. Don't make anybody mad and like no confrontation. And I feel like a lot of these guys, um, possibly because they are white males, they're just like, no, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> and I think yeah. it kind of made me feel like, Hey, yeah, you're right. I think I can do whatever I want to do. And so it always gets me excited to just think like, um, um, to just act and to to do your thing and just believe in it and yeah. um, not care so much what other people think. Yeah. But that's still like a constant cycle in my brain of caring what people think and then <laughs> yeah. trying not to care. I mean, we're humans. It's like caring. it's like <laughs> yeah. part of it. It's like kind of unavoidable. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Um. Hold on. I'm so, so sorry. Um, yeah, and then you said three. The last one would be another white male, unfortunately. But do you listen to the Pete Holmes podcast? He's like a comedian. Uh, I have um, not. It's called You Made It Weird. Okay. And he's a super quirky, weird guy. But I started listening to his podcast like right in the beginning of when he had it. And it's kind of his journey. It's interesting because he's like a comedian. He's in LA. Comedians are very much, you know, very centered around work and like, you know, you gotta self-promote and it's it's this kind of like Yeah interesting thing that artists also have to do but you kind of follow him or I have on the last however long he's had this podcast you follow him on this journey of like um just looking into his spirituality and like he interviews a lot of um just like Buddhist and more interesting spiritual people and to see those two collide like could you be an artist which is like something where you have to be very focused on yourself almost which is weird like yourself and your voice and your style and promoting yourself and also have this universal 
like I'm not really important, but that's okay. Like trying to understand the universe in this other way. So it's kind of like a nice, I love listening to him. It always makes me feel he's like funny and chill, but um, interested in these deeper spiritual and emotional things. Yeah. Let me show you something real quick. Yeah. This is the the book I'm finishing up right now. It's called Nothing and Everything. Okay. It's it's about how uh, the influence of Buddhism on the American avant-garde, 1942 to 1962. Is this like the book I've been looking for my whole life or what? Maybe. It's... Sounds like very exactly what I would like to read. Yeah, um, it's great. You mentioned Jackson Pollock before. He's in here. Um, yeah, specifically in like New York City during this time. Okay. So you have like the the names of like John John Cage and uh, Joseph Albers is mentioned a couple of times. The Beat Generations, yeah. Jack Kerouac, yeah. Alan Ginsberg. Um, yeah. All of that, yeah. yeah it's that been super right interesting. We I, I'm about. on the last chapter, so yeah. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I'm into that clearly. <laughs> yeah, the um, like you said before, the as an artist, a lot of this is like rooted in like Zen Buddhism and just like being in the moment, creating and just letting it come to you rather than then force it and you're you know you're again like this insignificance and you're just like here in the now and everything every moment life is just these moments and you're in the moments doing you're giving yourself to it and everything it's great yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and then you have you have to like contend with the opposite side of all that like yeah it's an interesting um correlation yeah it's a it's a balancing act for sure yeah yep you have to have both you have to be able to realize that you are nothing and you uh will never make anything original like everything has already been done and made before but but you still do it why do you do it and um and yeah being in the now like painting is therapeutic for that reason you're just Mm -hmm. there in it not thinking about anything and yeah, or trying not to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. I have one last question for you. Yes. Uh, it's one that I, I always enjoy asking guests, and that's, what are you curious about recently? What am I curious about? Hmm. I think... I mean, this is not like a random interesting thing that comes out of nowhere, but I'm I'm very curious about um, like what we've been talking about. What, what effect um, would kind of doing more of nothing have? Like what effect uh, on inspiration will that have for me? I think that's like my main, 
like driving where I want to go towards. Yeah. Um, what, like, what is my brain without mm. all the things that are constantly being thrown at it all the time? Yeah. Um, I know that's just like a tired, like we're all kind of like involved in the internet and also sick of the internet at the same time. Um, <laughs> but that's where I'm at, you know? Yeah, that, that statement couldn't be more accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't not do it and you can't, but you also just don't want to at the same time. So yeah, that's my main curiosity is like, what's my brain <laughs> off the internet? What's my brain away from all those things? Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Wow. Well, Olive, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been yeah, a fabulous thank you conversation. For having me. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Now I have two books to go look at, and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you share with people where they can find you and find your work and follow you? Yeah. Um, my Instagram is Olive Moya M O Y A Olive, like the food. Um, and my website is olivemoyastudio.com. And, um, if you want to look up my art, if you're interested in learning about art, but you don't know where to start and you feel intimidated, you can look at my podcast, which is middlebrow podcast. Not highbrow, not lowbrow, middlebrow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks yeah. again for coming on. This has been great. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Olive on Instagram at Olive Moya. Take some time today to explore your curiosity, which can lead to pushing boundaries in your own life. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic day.